Welcome to Colin Dave vs. The Machine. My name is Kyle. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. And I'm the machine. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film First Man. Are you sure? Yeah. Be an adventure. First man to walk on the moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We're gonna have to start from scratch. these tasks do we consider trying to land on the moon now before we get into talking about this week's film dave you know so many people tune into this very podcast I mean, not just yeah. to hear our movie opinions but they no. also are so interested in the power of spaceflight they're like what are these two oh, people yeah, yeah. going to tell right. us we've been everywhere about the wonders of the stars propulsion propulsion can i just can i just pause can i tell you something that is so embarrassing this movie taught me how space flight works in a way that i didn't actually know it worked before <laughs> i feel like wait what, which part what do you mean so i always knew that the space shuttle flew up and then like the back part like disengaged itself right it's yeah, just yeah, there to yeah. thrust it up to get off yeah i did not know that it detached again and sent another little object down to the moon while another spot oh, part like kept orbiting orbited. the moon. Like how they came back. Yeah. I had yeah. literally no idea that that's how it worked. I honestly did think like in cartoons where they like land on the moon. <laughs> they just went up there yeah, and yeah. landed on the moon. I, we should keep this in because I, I agree. I thought that was kind of an interesting piece of information. It would have been nice for this movie to have addressed any re-entry. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like, They're just like, yeah, like? well, you know it's going to work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. people tune in, of course, to hear all of this information, but they also yeah. tune in to hear our deep and rich fiction that we provide to them each and every week. Dave, this week, of course, you know, we laughed off last week. We left off last week. We did week. laugh it off. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. By uh, all these supporting characters that we've right. met up with over the, the past, zombies. like almost four years, kind of crowding in around us, getting closer around this condo that we record these uh, podcasts in. And, um... Oh God, I thought I wasn't recording for a second. Okay, <laughs> and we know, because this is gold that we're speaking right now. Um, uh, so what people tune in for. This is the fiction, that we have a fiction. That's, it's meta. It's meta. We had a tete-a-tete. -tete. We had a meeting of the minds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here this week. Sounds and, painful. Uh, what, what did we discuss with these random characters, Dave? Yeah, that's, that's very open-ended question. Very, very wide in mm -hmm. scope and breadth. You could answer in any way you want, almost. Yeah, apparently. Uh, you know, it's not choice paralysis at all. I think we decided that uh, it just doesn't make sense, any of it. And that the moment we find any kind of hole, we'll just get these people to get in there and exit our lives you, through some kind of portal. you, profile? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Black hole, white hole. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just too many of them, Alan. Right. I miss my solitude. 
Well, we're trying to find an agreement so that they stop haunting our lives, but uh, we'll get back to that. We have to talk about this movie here Wait, first. are we making a pact with them? I thought they were silent, by the way. Were we signing? Were we using... No, like off off mic, we were actually talking to them. But unless you want oh, to learn how to right. do voices in the next 30 seconds, we're not <laughs> hearing them on mic. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing. Sure. Howdy. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I noticed with a lot of young people, Kyle? They say y'all. They that's, do. That's a thing now. Yeah. Where did that come from? It is gender neutral. That is literally the reason. Oh. Like not saying you guys or anything like that. So it's just a way easier way to say y'all and not as formal as like, hey, everyone. Like. <laughs> yeah, but it's so yokel. I know. Well, is, is that just me? Am I... Am I racist against cowboys? No, it's the kids who are wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I am racist against cowboys. If cowboys were a race, then I am racist. I've been saying this for literal years. First off, what, what are your opinions on like space in general? Is this something like you're I mean, interested it's there. in? It exists. Uh, I mean, I think that all kids growing up in the 80s were inherently interested in space, both by film and the fact that they were still doing shuttle missions at the time as with anything i am always so influenced by the simpsons in this case and i do agree that there literally is an entire episode where homer goes to space but that whole setup the whole setup of that episode is that space shuttle launches had become so boring <laughs> by that time it's like in the 60s and in early 70s like it was like appointment television you were watching the space shuttles go and by the 90s where it's like whatever i mean i guess it's another space <laughs> another flight one. going i mean other than uh whatever challenge was that blew up. Yeah. And then, you know, through science fiction and then through high school math or physics, you start thinking about the vacuousness mm -hmm. of it, you know, and then you start doing nerd culture like, oh, why are there explosions in space? There's no air. There would be no vibra, you know, that kind of shit. But, uh, you know, as you get older, you realize it's hard enough to control what's happening in a room, let alone dreaming of fucking getting on a penis spacecraft because I have too much money. Wow. Uh, so I don't have that much interest in it. I will say as well, I'll add this, watching this film, it only struck me in this film maybe a few years ago. We haven't tried to go to the moon in a long time. So yeah, I for to, a long, long time. I had to time. wiki that. Yeah, I had to wiki that. Uh, when was it? It was like the 70s, wasn't it? The last time we actually sent yeah, someone to the moon? Yeah, this is 69. So it's like, se there's only been 16 people on the moon or something like that, right? Se 72. Let's say 72. Let's just throw out a number. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of 1972, can I throw this out here? Okay. Because I don't have a lot to say about this movie. We were at Emerson's friend's house. Okay. Yes. His friend is also nine years old. Okay. Okay. While speaking to his friend's parents, they started mentioning how one of their moms was 49. And I was like, oh, she was 49 when she had you and she said no my mom is 49 years old right now wait wait sorry the parents of his yes so what emerson's emerson's friend's grandmother is 49 years old how she she just had she has a six-year-old son who is emerson's mom's brother who is younger than her daughter <laughs> Oh, wait, you're breaking my brain here, dude. <laughs> I know. I had to ask for like two translations. So I was just like, wait, wait, because I tried to explain to Helen and then she's like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, wait a second, how could I be wrong? How can a grandmother be 49 
Because I'm 45. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 mean, I thought I, I felt I know, older. I understand right? that technically that is possible. Yeah, yeah. But like, the math works out. There were teenage pregnancies. Yeah. I think two in a row. But Or no, not two in a row. 16 and then- If you did 16 um, and then their daughter had a 16, the, was also for the next 16, then yes. Young. A grandmother yeah, at 32. Like so, uh, yeah, I think uh, Beatrice's parents were like early 20s anyway. So, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's, I don't know what that has to do with space. So she was born in 1972. That's yeah. She was born in 1972, and I just want everyone to know that I feel fucking old. Okay. Great. Yeah, I think kind of like you, I got into like space through science fiction, whether it was like yeah. Star Trek, Star Wars, and other you know books, books and Dune, stuff I was whatever. reading. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff did fascinate me. I do think there is still a bit of wonder for me. I am pro space exploration, like going to Mars mm -hmm. and, and investigating like Europa, one of the moons of Jupiter and all, and all this other stuff. So, but that's about the extent of it. It goes, it's not like I have a deep knowledge of it. I did not take physics in high school. So I have very little knowledge about like how any of that stuff works. I will say this though. Um, I think we even brought this up in a previous episode. I do not remember in what context, but if by chance there and this will happen in my lifetime, but like if the cost of being shot up in a rocket and seeing the moon was like roughly the same price as it is to like fly to Europe or something like that, like it's like, you know, it's not, like a hundred bucks, like it's, okay. it's, it's expensive, but it's not like $10 million. You know what I mean? I would probably consider doing it. I actually really do want to have that experience at some point in my life of like leaving the atmosphere and seeing earth in the rear view mirror and just be like, that's crazy <laughs> that I had this experience of seeing earth from space. There are suborbital, but they have planes that do that. I mean, we, they, that's not accessible to plebes like that's us. That's what I mean. It's like so it expensive be. for that kind of stuff yeah, right there's now. there's space tourism. Yeah. Interestingly, many of those billionaires come back and they're flat earthers because they get up there and they're just like, no, it's not round. It was a fisheye lens. So uh, oh, yeah, the reality is. It's all flat. Watching this movie in the aftermath of, by and large, people, the U.S. government coming up and saying, like, yeah, we have, like, unexplained phenomena, probably aliens have visited us here. Uh, and it, that making, yeah. like, zero blip in uh, in world news. Did they say the second part? Or is that implied by the media? You're, I think you're correct. I, I guess I have not delved so far down into it. There is a person who went before, I want to say Congress. I could be saying the wrong thing. But who said... It's aliens, and the U.S. government base had to say, like, definitely unexplained. We don't know where all the, where these things are coming yeah, yeah, from. Like yeah. that is basically they the, what they admitted the to. Yeah. So, Men in Black is real. Is yeah. what you're telling me. <laughs> True. Yeah. 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 Men in Black was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun stuff. Um, okay. The other thing I just wanted to hear our background with is the director of this film, uh, Dave. You would say that he is an auteur. An auteur. Well, yeah, you prescribed to the because, theory, so you can't back out of it now. Well, I don't like his other... Okay. Uh, I was going to say, why would, what you, why what's, your, he... what's your history with, with Mr. Chazelle? Uh, I don't know. What, what was it? La La Land? Whiplash, La La Land, Whiplash this movie, quick, and then actually. Babylon, which came out last year. Which I didn't watch. I mean, I think it's too early with four films of different tones to say auteur. I guess one might want to compare him to all the big boys but he's that means he's been around for less than a decade about a decade coming up yeah coming up plus on a decade, minus yeah. right i think whiplash no, I mean, was 2014 so yeah whiplash is a fantastic film la la land was built well although like this one i have questions about its 
nihilistic tone. I, I will I say know. just to just as a point, because uh, I know someone will probably point this out. Of all the movies, this is the one he did not write. So all the other ones he oh, did. So he wrote all the other ones and he did not write Correct. this one. Okay. And then uh, I haven't seen, is it, which one is it? Babylon? Babylon. There's two that came out that, that burned, right? Uh, yes. Two in a row. Yeah. After doing the research for it, I kind of felt like this does feel like he isn't as passionate about this subject. No, it's right? boring. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's a reason for it. This is basically a job for hire. That's, that's, that, I think we Makes should play, point that out here too. Like he, he took this, then Lola Lamb blew up. And he still was contractually obligated to make this movie. So I think there's that's part of the issue of that I'm going to have with this movie when we talk about it. I mean, we're talking about it. Um, what else? What else do we want to talk so, about? So, okay, fine. I'll just jump into it here. I love Whiplash. I think Whiplash is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. I know that for some people, it like uh, it doesn't exonerate, but it definitely is one of those like terrible men. But it, it turns out like uh, it actually helped the person, like our protagonist out, even though that they're mm. a terrible person. There's some criticisms I always read about that movie in particular, but I really like Whiplash, so. That shouldn't be a criticism. That's just real life. I, I don't mean to say that we should. Throw chairs at people? <laughs> well, I mean, we shouldn't elevate uh, terrible ethics or whatever, interrelational skills as though you're supposed to be an asshole. But uh, without conflict, and without tension, you can't have any creativity. Yep. You can't. Everyone would just lie down on the floor and feel okay about themselves. It's <laughs> fucking depressing. So, um, I, but, but I didn't read that out of Whiplash. I just saw, I mean, it, it, for those critics, imagine how many drummers burnt out before they got to where oh, sure. uh, Miles, uh, what's his face, got there, right? So, so yeah, I love Whiplash. Um, I will say La La Land, I mean, it has become a bit of a divisive movie. And of course, there's... All the things that happened at the Oscars that year where it won and then didn't win Best Picture. The two people involved in that, we had Barry Jenkins early in the year with If Beale Street Could Talk. This is Chazelle's follow-up. I know who I would say had the better follow-up, but uh, <laughs> I have actually never re-watched La La Land. I saw it once in mm -hmm. theaters, had a great mm -hmm. time, really loved Enamored it. Enamored with it, yeah. I don't know what I would feel on a second rewatch. I can't really speak to that, but at the time... I really loved it, so I have to. Yeah. That's where I'm at with with that movie. I'm surprised though, because for a movie that sets itself up as a Hollywood musical, to have such a dour ending mm -hmm. is such a kick in the pants. I guess I don't know. That just doesn't bother me. I yeah, it's interesting. I'm a Sondheim you fan. Must have where been, a lot uh, of his moody are when dour, you watched that. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. For a guy that uh, obsesses over just having fun with stuff. Oh, well, it's you have candy. to take a, a movie for what it's <laughs> trying to do here too, Dave. So I, I don't know. I think uh, I don't understand that criticism for that movie in particular. Uh, this movie I did not check out. I mean, I was not going to the theater as often in 2018. I've talked about that mm. throughout this season. Didn't really feel compelled to do it. I have a I have a bit of a contrary opinion about someone who features very prominently in this movie, and I have gotten so much pushback and hate when I have voiced this opinion. Which is? I'm not the biggest Ryan Gosling fan. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Um, I think- He has one character. It's moody, whiny, quiet Except, guy. here's the thing. After seeing him in Barbie- Ken, yeah. And Ken. after seeing for the first time this week, actually kind of by accident, but for the first time I watched Eat, or not Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> not Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, oh, crazy, love beautiful. Oh, no. Crazy, beautiful. No, crazy. Crazy, sexy, beautiful. Crazy, stupid, love. Crazy, stupid, crazy, love. Stu yeah, yeah. Where I also think he's very excellent in, I think he's I okay like him when he's being yeah. a buffoon and goofy. Yeah. I think he's so yeah. good at that. 
that you area. Know, and when he's, he's trying to be Colin like, Farrell, it. I think maybe I just, I think that's his wheelhouse. They should be more weird. And when they try and make him be like moody, like cool, super serious handsome, man, because yeah. uh, there's another movie that got really great reviews and I really didn't like when I went and saw it. This is very early in his career. He, I can't even remember what it's called. He's playing a teacher, anyways. Anyways, it, I oh, just I didn't a teacher. I didn't like that movie. How very this guy much got either. famous on Breaker High? <laughs> well, sure, I. He's supposed to be a dweeb, right? He is That's so his... charming when he's like in interviews or like uh, on the red carpet. So I I get the appeal, but anytime I see him in a dramatic role, I'm like I don't uh, know. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. It's just not doing much. I mean, it worked in Drive because that character was supposed yeah. to be detached maybe it's because we don't understand who neil armstrong is but this yeah like we have problems with biopics they want to put this fucker on such a pedestal it's kind of hard to watch for two and a half hours it's exhausting frankly um but you know anyways. what he's a genius he's the best fight pilot and uh, without him nothing nothing would works. have advanced in human technology so um well let's do this here instead of dancing around the subject let's get into our conversation about first man is a big mother. It'll go up like a half kiloton A-bomb if it blows. The vehicle's not safe. We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. This isn't just another trip, Neil. You're not just going to work. Do you think you're coming back? There are risks, but we have every intention of coming back. Somebody got a Swiss Army knife? Swiss Army knife? So, Dave, we should probably think of a scenario here to tell people what this movie is about if they haven't seen it. So, let's say that we are at Cape Canaveral. Are there still space camps? There There has to be. be. Right? Yeah. Where where else would young nerds get beat up? That's that's (laughs) space camp. Um, Nobody beats up nerds anymore, man. It's 2023. You're just strictly not allowed. This man is a slur now? Okay. (laughs) Actually. Okay, anyway, so we're at Cape Canaveral. We're about to watch the newest launch up in space. Uh, NASA decided that we are going to go and land a man on Mars. They heard your plea. Yeah, they're like, Kyle needs to go. (laughs) Let's train him up. And we have our little goggles on just so that our retinas aren't burnt out. uh, Right. Why? Yeah. Well, the, the, the jet fuel is so bright, Dave. You don't want to. Oh, we're under the jets. Okay, no, we're at Cape no, it's Canaveral, working. Dave. Watching the the launch of the of the of the mission. Oh, okay, okay. We're in the bunker. Yeah, got it. And then yeah. the gentleman to your left turns to you and says, "Like, I just I cut this this great deal on a bunch of Blu-rays," and he starts like <laughs> leafing through them, and it's like, "Look at this! I have the right stuff." And I have, remember those po- uh, those nylon pocketbooks with the discs? I, yeah, that's right. It's probably do that. We had in cars for the longest time. I was like, I have the right stuff. I have ca- uh, space cowboys. I nice. have uh, I don't know, Apollo thirteen. Apollo thirteen. But I have this one. First man. I don't recall hearing this movie being advertised ever in my Nobody entire life. Did. What's this movie about? <laughs> Oh, well, I'm answer? surprised you don't know, uh, Mr. Stronaut. Uh, this is a film about Neil Armstrong and why he's like fucking super cool. Also, kind of like a sucky, boring, annoying, depressive dude. Yeah. yeah Maybe social I mean, anxiety? To a I don't point. Know. I mean, I get that impulse. I mean, his infant daughter did just die. I mean, I don't think I'd be I know, most, Mr. Happy-go-lucky. <laughs> and I didn't know about that about him. Yeah. But they... 
it's just so monotone after that. Yes. You know? I do have a question for you because reading up on this movie, like with reviews, both like professional critics and like uh, people on Letterboxd, there seems to be a big division. Uh, Do you prefer at any point, if if you had to say, like, I like this section better than this section, do you like the on earth section like family drama stuff or do you prefer like the space mission getting ready blowing going up in the space stuff more this is why this is why this movie kind of sucks it can't decide between the two tones so it's simultaneously boring and exciting it's the strangest the strangest thing it's like the for me the beginning with the family drama is so it starts off with a top gun scene Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Uh, so you're like, oh wow, breaking like, the atmosphere um, and testing out these yeah, planes. Yeah, you see the shit. Although he, when he comes back, all of a sudden he lands again. The editing's so weird. We lose so I, much I, I, of the I was drama. Gonna bring up editing again, but keep oh. going. Okay, and then uh, and then we go to the farmhouse, and all of a sudden it's a different vibe. Right now we're doing uh, you know sick daughter, and you're like, oh wow, but it's all that belabored, long handicam, shaky mm-hmm. fucking you know stroking the hair and it's got to be 15 minutes of uh of melodrama and eh, it's fine you know i didn't know that about neil armstrong and i'm like okay maybe this is gonna fuel his uh rocket and then i don't know man it's like everything yeah. on the earth well no everything outside of the nasa space program is shot this way it's just like weak <laughs> diluted for me mm-hmm. and then they get into these spacecraft moments and i'm like literally uh, i know he's gonna survive but that part where they go into that oh spin, that spiral like, oh my god yeah. i was like holy fuck everybody's gonna die like i don't, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening yeah, yeah. yeah well that was my my question is like one of the pauses i'm gonna level at this film is that it is definitely taking the approach that like hey you don't know who neil armstrong is which i think honestly 20 something and, and younger probably don't like i don't know yeah. I'm, I'm making a yeah. guess here i know who neil armstrong is so i intuitively know that did. he's going to survive yeah. but i do think younger audiences would probably be approaching this film like i actually don't know who neil armstrong is i don't yeah. know if they survived this mission and there's another yeah. scene or that happens they... later like oh i didn't know those three people died like that that is awful that is the yeah, worst yeah. thing i could ever imagine immolation yeah i think the worst thing i could imagine is listening to this podcast so, you didn't really answer my question. I, well, I guess you sort of did. Do you, so, you're saying like the, the space flight stuff is like your favorite part if you uh, had to choose. Well, I would say yes, in this movie, I enjoyed the action more, but I would say that they could work independent of each other. If we wanted yeah, to make okay, okay. a drama about Neil Armstrong and his family and intersperse with the fact that he is a scientist and an astronaut, the family vibe could work and you could get, Mm -hmm. you know, this moody thing. But if you're going to throw the action in the adrenaline way that it's shot, that needs to just embody an action film, Armageddon style, and just go Michael Bay with it. Yeah, I think think what we're... I think what everyone is hitting on here, like both the critics, the other reviews I read online, and us here, it is that there just doesn't seem to be a gelling of those two storylines. And I think there no. could be. I think that there is a way. I do have this bold proclamation. I wrote this in my letterbox review is that I think there is a masterpiece hidden within this movie. It isn't. Like, it, that, I'm not saying that it is a masterpiece. But, like, no, yeah, yeah. there's elements of this that I think, oh, if you Pulled cut this out. out completely, re-edited this part, I, I think that there are ways that this could all culminate into something really beautiful. Talking about the editing, I'll talk about my negatives here first. I don't understand the impulse that I'm assuming Chazelle gave his editor to do. There are certain scenes where they are cutting back and forth between like the manned spaceflight and like 
the kids and the mother interacting with one yeah. another, then I'm like, I actually don't understand why we're cutting back and forth here. They're not going through something similar. There's not a comment that's being made between putting these two things together. We're just cutting back and forth between two vastly different scenes. And it just feels off for both of them. It's like, if we're going to have a family scene, great, fine. Let's have a family scene and set something up. If we're going to have an action scene, then let's have an action scene. But it's like a Mission Impossible mission and then cutting to like Little House on the Prairie. I'm like, I don't, I don't know yeah, why we're exactly. cutting back and forth between these two things i also wonder if this director has kids when they do the soft dying girl i don't thing, think he would have had kids yet yeah because like when they're doing the soft hair touching girl dying thing you know there's obviously some empathy because everybody doesn't want to mm -hmm. lose a child but when they show the boys they're like caricatures of sure. shitty boys so it's also even when they cut and it's tonally problematic there's no uh empathy even for the mother you're just like <laughs> What is this house you're living in that some kid fucking throws shit at your face? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, steals, yeah. steals your box that you're w listening for your husband to not die. And then like with this devilish grin, you know, just like, <laughs> you'll never get this away from me, copper. Right, 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 like, right. I don't know. What the fuck's the point of that? Well, I will it's say weird. like, this is based on an actual biography that was written yes. about Neil Armstrong. The one aspect they think was the right decision is that they don't go and like, well, we're going to show Neil Armstrong from the time he was a kid up until this Apollo mission, yeah. which is what the book is. It's literally from the time he's born oh, okay. up until the first Apollo mission. But I think the negative is, is I think they are probably from, this is me just guessing, they're bringing things in that the book explores and making them scenes, but then with absolutely no context context of why these scenes are in here or why they're even important in the first place. So yeah. I think that there's that, that inconsistency. That's why I think that like you could easily cut probably 15 minutes from this, like some of that weird family stuff. What else was I going to say? I think you're right in like the one noteness of this whole film. Like after a while of just watching Ryan Gosling being sad, it's like, yeah, okay. Like I, I get it kind of at this point. I keep bringing this up, but it, it's just because it's fresh in my mind. One positive about Oppenheimer that I like is like, yes, like there are sometimes essentially quote unquote boring talking scenes. I mean, the majority of that movie is just talking scenes. It kind of just gives you what you need and it just moves on to the next thing. It doesn't really belabor the point. Some people have criticized that, but for me, it was great. It's like, okay, we're here in Germany. He's at this talk. The guy says something, boom, we're on to the next year. <laughs> we're doing this. And then boom, we're on to the next year. We're just getting through all this stuff that we kind of need to know about. But it was like, we don't need to spend 15 minutes in this scene, in this feeling, because it doesn't matter. I think that the the core uh, emotional through line actually does work for me, which is you have a child that dies. You see that he is a very analytical mind. It's like, this is not something I could fix. And so I'm going to throw myself into this thing where I can fix it. I have this mind that I can actually fix something. And then you finally get up to the moon after all this time and you throw a little bracelet into the crater, which never happened. But still, it, that emotional through line at the very least is like, okay, that is something that can pull me through an entire movie. It's just I think it gets uh, burdened by all this stuff that I think it feels compelled it needs to put in that I just yeah. did not find engaging at all. Yeah, you know, I wonder if you were going to make that movie... You know, why have the sons in it so much right. in the first place? I mean, they've already rebuilt their family. Not that a parent ever gets over that grief, but they do a lot of those little ghost scenes yeah. where he's imagining his daughter in random scenarios. It's interesting. I, I feel like if you're going to do the drama thing, maybe in his memoir, there would have been his own childhood experiences that could juxtapose to how his parents, he's parenting his kid. You, you could do all that yeah. shit. I don't know. 
but they didn't. If we're going to make it about the race to Mars, I mean, they throw in three references to the USSR program and yeah. how they're like, need to be American, but it's not that important to the story because it's not what's driving him. So they could have needed, uh, sorry, they might have needed some separation between those two narratives. I think as well, like there is a presumption that, I mean, most people don't even realize astronauts are scientists. Right. You know, we spend too much time with uh, action movies that we just think that they're muscular dudes who like fight aliens, but all of them are exceptionally intelligent, highly academic, highly awarded nerds who are also physically, you know, like yeah. fighter pilot level physique. They're like alpha, alpha people. And so I think there's a bit of a presumption when he's just casually fixing, you know, he's, oh, he's an engineer and he's like, oh, well, we screwed this up on this design, etc. There's something about it that it was, it was like missing something and it was too long. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I get not it. That's a good combination, I think, right? I think you just need to refocus some of the narrative. Bits of this that are really effective for me. Again, most of the Spaceflight stuff is working for me. I do like some mm. of the emotional drama around the family. It just, it doesn't never yeah. really come together because there's also like these little offshoots that I kept being like, oh, that'd be really interesting to explore a little more, which was like the public being like, maybe we're spending too money on this space program. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's flirty with a During bit. Vietnam, yeah. Um, yeah. There's also the fact that like he is now like a super famous person and you can tell it's like, I am not interested in being famous. I just want to go to the moon and like buzz aldrin is like hey i'm gonna like play to the camera and blah 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 and like there's that little dynamic but that doesn't really ever get uh, explored in any way either yeah we spent too much time with the the guy that's gonna get set on fire and not buzz aldrin mm -hmm. for a character in historical mythos in mythology that's literally the second man on the moon right right and then when he's introduced he's a dick He's fucking brash. Clearly, they don't seem to like each other. And then when they're landing, they're like high-fiving each other and we did it. It's like, I, I don't know. That dynamic would have been so much more important and impactful uh, for the ending that they're going to kind of... Even like how they react when they go on the... I mean, this is probably a historical fact, but you got uh, Neil Armstrong getting all broody and Ryan Goslingly <laughs> staring out into the sun. And then Buzz Aldrin's like dancing. <laughs> He's like hopping up and down yeah, the yeah. fucking sand. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> sure. I can't Why believe not? I stayed up to 1230 watching this. That's that was on my you, thought. by the way, that you started watching this at 10 p.m. at night. So I, Listen, uh, my kid goes to bed at 10. Mm -hmm. So uh, until he's like 15 and can handle the shit that we watch, that's my start time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which sucks. But when we first started this podcast, he was going to bed at like 830. Yeah. So there was a lot more buffer. <laughs> a lot more yeah. buffer. I think I'd rather just watch a video buffer. So anyways, this is a movie. This sounds like I'm like dragging this movie. It's a movie that I am like, it's, it's fine. fine. Like, yeah. It's fine. I don't hate this movie. I think there is some very effective things in it. Um, maybe something I didn't bring up is like, I do think Chazelle as a director is usually pretty good at like technically, like as far as like capturing scenes and, and blocking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is, it's hard to talk about because I just think this movie is okay and not all that it's interesting to talk about. <laughs> it's forgettable. Yeah, it's very you know, forgettable. Like you, you've got different ends of the spectrum. You got uh, Gravity, right. Top Gun, and this film. You know, between those three. So we have like dramatic space in space uh, and dealing with trauma and all this fucking weird shit. You've got just adrenaline junkie film, uh, any Tom Cruise film. And you have this one that tries to do both. And I think this is why nobody even remembers that First Man came out. Right. Uh, and this is a total Oscar bait film. Like, you know, Ryan Gosling's totally trying sure. to go for this dramatic thing. And I think he falls flat. The wife, 
she's so unlikable and I don't know she's trying she's working hard she's not you know it's not a lack of talent she's in that character but the character is really one-dimensional and I just couldn't figure out it almost felt like you know I felt like at the end it was a film about two androids pretending to be human going to the moon <laughs> it wouldn't have had to have been him specifically but doing like an Aaron Sorkin type of treatment like even some snappy dialogue probably would have gone yeah. a long way to make this a bit more have a little bit more oomph so it feels at least that there is some character there the ending scene God, yeah that sums up the film like he survives she walks in this room and they just like melancholically stare at each other and like et they, through no they do the star trek 2 bullet. ending they're like trying to like <laughs> that's touch, right you shall forever be my friend and like, like, it's, like the glass. it's the fucking worst thing you know <laughs> after all of that shit hey you know they're on the moon he throws the fake uh yeah wristband you don't know how they re-enter. You don't even know if the docking work. We just presume because we know that he gets back to Earth. And then he's in quarantine watching TV and then she shows up and they like, they're not even smiling, man. They're just like, oh. Sad. Yeah. Vibes. I will say, like, it's probably a film that you would not like either. I've seen some people be divisive on this film too. But a film that is kind of a similar tone, but I just find far more engaging is Ad Astra, which came out the following year oh, with Brad Pitt. Oh, is it the Brad Pitt one? Yeah, I don't think I watched it. That one that one did it for me more than what this one does as far as like space yeah. exploration. That is of course totally a fictional film. That's the thing too. It's like like the Mar I just thought like the Martian won that award. Mm -hmm. uh, is it before this one? It's not space and it's not uh action versus drama. Maybe the problem is that it's centered around a real person. You know, we're not biopic people. And maybe just there's something about it that I just I just didn't get into it. The only reason I kept watching is because the action sequences, the uh, the drama and death mm -hmm. were very well built. I will say know? to that Frenetic. point, this movie is basically like a wash with character actors. There's <laughs> like yeah. every four seconds, it's like oh that's Jason Clark and oh that's Kyle Chandler and that's Lucas Haas and this is <laughs> like it just like kept going and going and going. It's like that's just Karen Hines. Like there's just like everyone you could think of is just in this movie. Sometimes for like maybe a minute. The last thing from a woke perspective is like total white savior theme. We know that there were other people working on this fucking sure. program. Everybody's watched Hidden Figures. I was going to say, watch Hidden Figures about that. Also, <laughs> they make up a bunch of stuff in that movie too, but still, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, that's not historical. No biopic is historically accurate. It's impossible. Um, mm -hmm. You know, real life is not cute enough to be encapsulated by a 90 to 100 and 50 minute film there's a tone there too like country house i mean this is probably his real life but mm -hmm. you know, this backwater country house on this uh, airplane testing thing into this like fake suburb that they've probably built beside the base and you know all the astronauts are living together and having beers at a dining table telling jokes like mm -hmm. why bring up the anecdote that he created a musical if they're not going to use that i know in the i story? thought the same thing it's like is that set up there only because they're listening to oklahoma like a few scenes later it's like, yeah. I feel like you, if you're trying to bring some character to this man, we should hear something from this musical yeah. or something. I mean, they're doing that other space waltz. I mean, that would have been, they, they use that theme when he's in the spaceship and he gives them the cassette. I was surprised. I didn't even know cassettes were around in 1969. I thought that was more of an 80s thing, but they play that track. I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a connection, but it's not being played over their comms to the wife. So I was like, I don't know. A lot of it just... Mm -hmm. What you wanted was Kevin Costner breaking a washroom sign. That is what you needed in this movie. What, what they should have done, since they're going to stray a little bit from the source material, is uh, either omit the musical anecdote or have him fucking sing. <laughs> Why not? Bust out in his uh, rendition of... I think uh, that's I just remember. the hardest thing. I think that 
because the biographer got to meet Neil Armstrong in his later years and was writing it with his permission and stuff like that. For all intents and purposes, it just feels like Neil Armstrong in real life is like, yep, like a very monotone, serious yeah. person. And when you try and build a, a movie around someone like that, it's like, uh, it's, it's hard, right? Because that's not it's what a flat. normal movie protagonist is like. Even that scene where... Uh, I don't remember that guy's name, but he comes in. He's like, maybe you should come in and talk to your wife. And he's like, I wouldn't be standing out here alone if I wanted someone to talk to me. And you're like, that did not land well. <laughs> it is so awkward. <laughs> he's like standing in the backyard staring at the moon and he tries to tell someone to fuck off. But he has this, uh, I don't know. It, it was just, sorry, Ryan. I mm -hmm. just don't see it. I don't see it. By the way, it, it wasn't Neil Armstrong, but uh, have you ever seen that viral video of Buzz Aldrin punching the guy who says like, he never actually went to space. Uh, no, I've heard of it, but... Uh... It's fine, because Buzz Aldrin is literally trying to leave. Like, he's not even trying to engage with the guy, and the guy just keeps whipping in front of him, like, getting up uh, into his face, and then they get this yeah. old man just, like, cold cocks Knocked this young guy. Up. Sometimes uh, people deserve to get punched when they just won't leave you alone. If they have... Uh, what I'm learning is uh, they have polar opposite personalities. Mm -hmm. It should have been a movie about Neil and Buzz. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because they're so opposite that would have played so well together in fact when they did the um the interviews at the beginning i thought that big dude was going to be buzz aldrin because right. somebody turns over and he shit talks him what do you call him like a some i can't mm -hmm. remember what the joke was they didn't have subtitles on this film it was that's a huge miss too and maybe it's because they don't have a relationship right and, and they weren't friends but once they're introduced to each other's lives i mean especially if you're gonna massage the truth that's where a narrative really could have worked on screen anyway well you so. see that foil right the Guy who's like no nonsense, knows the grindstone, trying to make this work, and the guy who's goofing off, also very accomplished shit. as well. Yeah. But there is that conflict that you start to get into, and you can play with that. Again, I'm not saying make yeah. up complete scenes or anything, maybe, but like at least there's something. There's something to push the movie yeah. forward. It's uh, Neil Armstrong and a character group of yes men mm -hmm. until an hour and twenty in, and Buzz Aldrin sh shows up. He they uh, exchange one one bad word at the funeral, and then. <laughs> And then it's just Neil Armstrong again till they're in the spacecraft and you're like, great, hurry up and land this fucking thing so I can go to bed. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe he should just become MODOK is what you're trying to say. <laughs> now, all these exciting scenes, like uh, I don't like the way it's cut, but the re-entry and he lands in the desert. I yeah. mean, I want to know how you go that far off course. I love the idea that he's thinks on his feet and he can redirect his uh, spaceship back through the atmosphere, but he must have been thousands of miles yeah. off course. How do you end up in the right desert? You like do a degree off and you're like completely in a different yeah. time zone. So, And then he's like suddenly in a mountain and lands in a desert where everybody's waiting for him. So like you need a little bit. Mm -hmm. You just need to explain to me how that's possible. But they have that, the lunar landing, uh, his escape from the pod. And another thing, I think there's a fourth one where they're showing all these landings. I mean, that's the stuff that yeah, you're like, I mean, oh my gosh. I will say like, maybe it's just my latent like love of 2001, uh, a space odyssey that is. Um, I kind of love like the last 15 minutes of this movie of the whole like them landing and exploring the moon type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, not so much when we're back in quarantine, but it's like, I don't know, like that stuff just is still kind of magical to see. Like why not end the film where he's chucking the yeah. chucking the bracelet well that's what i mean it's right? like i think that that is truly your emotional through line not really his relationship with the wife so like yeah but i'm sure they had a lovely relationship i'm not trying to cast aspersions but i'm just saying for a movie that is what you your emotional hook through this entire film so as soon as he tosses that off it's like we're going to credits like that is 
we've gotten to where we needed to get to. If you needed to bring it back to the wife too, I mean, they're all listening to it on the radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just have a scene with her kind of like getting a release from all that tension, you know, whether it's crying or being celebratory, hugging yeah, her you kids. Yeah, you Walter Cronkite on the TV or something. And- yeah, and you could have that moment and finish the film with both those scenes and we would actually tie some loose ends together you instead see, of going to yeah. the next part where they're have just unhappy. Text at the end, it's like, Neil Armstrong lived until... <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is a film where you could get away with that, I think. I don't think Neil Armstrong is a real person. All right, Dave, let's do some backstory here. So this movie opened up on October 12th, 2018. It's currently rated 3.7 on Letterboxd, has a 7.3 on IMDb, an 84 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes. From 464 critics, it has an 87%, but from 5,000 plus users, it has a 67%. So 20 yeah. point swing between those. I'm surprised that it did well, like on the uh, nerd reviews. It's a lot higher than I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, you go through all these reviews and they're all fairly middling. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> that just counts. Just a bit above tepid. Yeah. Uh, it is available in DVD and Blu-ray and you can rent it on both YouTube and iTunes. Its budget for this movie was $70 million. Its box office, this is worldwide, was 105. So a little dicey. It did not like outright mm. bomb, but it also... It's not a moneymaker, let's put it that way. Its plot description from IMDb is, A look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. It's now time to play everyone's favorite game, Guess That Tag. This is the time where I get to don a handsome blazer, grab a long microphone that Bob Barker used to use, and we play the game, guess that tag. Dave, you go to the movies all the time. I have gone. Yeah, I, I saw Ninja Turtles. You have seen good. twice the amount of movies this year that you've seen for the previous five. And um, <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> and uh, oh, you and I went to watch, we saw two movies last year, so right, whatever. So when we go, when you go into that movie theater, you see that long row of posters. There's a little bit of text on there that entices you to go and see the movie. Like for instance, this week you're going to be one of twelve people that are going to go and see <laughs> Blue Beetle. I'm sure. Oh, is that coming out this week? Yeah. Great! I can't wait. I was just thinking, you know what? I could really use is another hit of that sweet, sweet DC universe. Dave, you in our Aquaman episode mentioned like. How popular is this character? So when I was editing, I was like, yeah, how is popular is this character? Like, I remember seeing him on comics like, I don't know, in the 2010s. Like, is he a fairly new character? Dave, this is a character that stretches back to 1939 in the DC universe. I feel I've never heard of him. How am I a super duper nerd and know like the minutiae of so many dumb shit? I have never heard of Blue Beetle up until like 2010. 1930-something. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, for a superhero called the Blue Beetle, it had to have been the 1930s because it's fucking dumb. Yeah. So, well, there I we don't are. know. I'm sure it'll be a hit. Maybe it's going to be really I good. I mean, that, that's going to be the funniest thing. It's like I'm talking all this crap and it's like, oh, she made a billion dollars. So, I don't know what yeah, you're talking you about. Know. You never know. Dave, I'm going to give you three options. One of these is the true actual tagline that this movie had, and the other two are going to be completely made up by me. So, was the tagline to this movie, getting to the moon took a lot of firsts? Is it, all it takes is one small step, or is it, one giant leap into the unknown? I don't know. Two? Felt felt like a bait, number two. 
all it takes is one small step. Yeah. yeah. You were incorrect. It is one giant leap into the unknown is what the, the actual like tagline was. Me. I should have rerounded just to make double sure. I do believe that he says it wrong in this movie. <laughs> really? No, they would have fact-checked that. I would have thought so. Okay, so and what I mean by that is that um, mm. because of the, the crackle in the audio, like everyone's, you and I definitely have heard that audio like so many different yeah. times. Like, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He actually said, coming back, the crackle disfigures part of it is like, it's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Oh, whatever. Anyway, we can't put that in the film. Everybody, it would have just That's started one of those things like, a riot. I write about yeah. this. There's this, this. There's actually a term for this. Like by doing it period accurate, you actually have people break their immersion because they think it's inaccurate. <laughs> um, Confirmation bias. The, yeah, there's this weird thing that happens. Anyways, yeah, yeah, doesn't matter in the long run. No, nope. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew this came out. Nobody knows what we're talking about. The stars about. Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, Clara Foy as Janet Armstrong, Corey Stoll as Buzz Aldrin, and Lucas Haas as Mike Collins. That's the third person that is in the uh, the rocket. Wait, that that guy that made the thing orbit was fourth bill on this movie? No, I'm just, I, th- I thought like I should probably put him in if uh, I'm going to put all the other. Well, who cares? He didn't do anything. I mean, that's also so dismissive. The dude that had to <laughs> keep the fucking plane in there or whatever the rocket in the air so they can even come home nobody gives a shit about this guy i wonder if that maybe they maybe there was this like fear of being too much like the right stuff i don't know <laughs> I, I i i don't know that to be true but i wonder if like no we just have to focus on the one guy instead of like really the team no but history does that nobody can name the third guy oh sure because he didn't stand on the moon right but I, all i can think about is like, like it's john lennon paul mccartney and the other two like who cares about the other two well, i'm just thinking like did that guy actually get to go to the moon or is his whole role <laughs> I mean, just the guy that pilots the ship if you even believe we went to the moon in the first place dave so i love uh, i think that's I what they should have done stupid get, get up onto the moon and then the green screen falls and you have it's stanley kubrick standing there and he's just like whoa <laughs> 75 more takes uh, oh man did we go we did America go? <laughs> the cinematography is by a guy named Linus Sandgren, whose top four from IMDb are this movie, Babylon from 2022, La La Land from 2016, oh, and No Time to Die from 2021. Is that the Bond movie? Yes, the last Bond movie. Okay. And when is the next Bond movie going to be announced? I'm so angry that that hasn't Never. happened yet. Well, aren't they on strike? Oh, yeah, it's not happening until the strike's over. I'm just saying. No. They probably know who the next Bond is, and they just haven't said anything. Just get over it. Just get over it. It'll probably be Blue Beetle. Written by Josh Singer, based on the book by James R. Hansen, and directed by Damien Chazelle. To talk about the book for just a second, the process starts in 19... 99. James Hansen was this well-known academic and author. He had a very well-received book called From the Ground Up, which was about aviation pioneer Fred Wyke, or Wake, W-E-I-C-K. I have no idea how to pronounce that name properly. Whack. Anyway, his attention turns towards Armstrong and the Apollo missions, which put the first man on the moon. There had never been an authorized biography about Neil Armstrong. So Hansen writes to Armstrong, who is still alive, 
And at first, Armstrong declines. In fact, he declines a few times. Uh, this hadn't been the first time biographers had come asking to write about him. And apparently, what finally turned him around was that Hansen sent him this care package filled with examples of his writing and why it, and this little note that said why it would be a good idea to write a biography about him. It specifically was that book about Fred Wake or Week that Armstrong cites as changing his mind. So he liked the writing style, he signs on, and the book is published in 2005. Now, it should be stated that the book tells Armstrong's story from the time he was born up until the first Apollo mission. We've mentioned that. As is often the case, when publishers are working on a book, they sometimes shop the idea around Hollywood to see if the film rights want to be bought at an early stage. And that was true for this book. Remember, it does not get actually published until 2005, but as early as 2003, there is interest in a film adaptation. I feel... Like this is the third time this year I've ha got to say this sentence, but one of the first filmmakers who expresses interest is, actually, do you want to guess? Want to guess who it was that expressed interest in this? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is correct. I saw that on the wiki. Yeah. Oh, um, this is, <laughs> it, honestly, once it's stated, it's like, I could see that. That, that yeah. I could see that 100%. Did he make Space Cowboys after when he was disappointed? No, nope, he actually made it before this movie came out. So Interesting. He just wanted to go back. Wanted to go back to space. So that eventually doesn't happen. Universal and DreamWorks hold on to the project in 2014. A little movie called Whiplash comes out. And Damien Chazelle is approached to direct this film. Now, I don't know like specifically why, but pre-production goes on for a while. So Chazelle goes off to make La La Land, which then like blows up and becomes this huge film. But because he had already signed on to do this movie, this is kind of this work-for-hire film that he goes off to do. He signed originally, so there was something he wanted to do with it. Yeah, he have money given to him. Whiplash was like this independent feature, <laughs> so it's like he probably got paid no money for it. I'm just saying, no, I think you're implying that he never wanted to make this film in the first place. No, I mean, he wanted to make this that. money. He wanted to make this movie because of money. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> call me if I'm wrong, like Damien. Oh, wow. by the way, I forgot yeah. to drop this little story. When I was working for Apple, you know, the computer Ooh. company? Yes, yes. I was a trainer for a long time, which meant that like people could sign up and I would sit for an hour with them and go through. One time, this little lady, it was usually little ladies who would come in and learn more about their computers. And um, there's always a little bit of chit-chat at the beginning before we like turn the computer on and, and get to learning what they want to learn about. flirt. Yeah. And uh, she drops, it's like, oh my goodness, my grandson. I had this conversation with my grandson. His, his new movie is doing so, so well. And I'm like who's your grandson? Because she said in a way like she wanted me to ask. It's like, so who's your grandson? Oh, you probably haven't heard of him. His first name's Damien. His last name is Chazelle. Different last name because of a bunch of like family history and stuff like that. Now, I have no way to verify if this is actually true, if he was, this is actually his grandmother or not, being in Calgary, Alberta. Like I have yeah. no way to judge. Isn't he but French what American? A weird okay. pull if it is made up. It's all I'm going to say. Weird flexing. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, my old high school friend, Steven, just released uh, his latest. Steven Spielberg. You know him? You know. <laughs> <laughs> just like, throw that in there. That's fucking what I'm weird. trying to say is like, right. I met a lot of relatives Didn't of Didn't you have another people. story of, at the Apple store? Yeah, you had another one. Yeah, like I, I met uh, the, the creator of Spawn's father came in all the time. Oh, Todd yeah. McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Yeah, his dad, Rod oh, McFarlane. And uh, that's not true. I have no, I can't remember what his name was. But <laughs> so anyways, apparently I've taught Damien Chazelle's grandmother, supposedly. 
a thing or two. Mm-hmm. So it gets released, does get pretty decent reviews, but barely anyone goes to see this film. In fact, it does do better overseas than it does in North America. I should also point out, though, even though I agree with you, Dave, that this is a movie that nobody talks about and nobody went and saw, did have its share of controversies when it's released. So one of the biggest is that the fact that, that inside this film, they never show the planting of the American flag on the moon, which is a thing that they did. What? Yes, they do. They do not show the actual planting of the American flag. The actual, like, putting the flag oh, into the moon. Oh, like stabbing. Yes. But the flag's there. Okay. Again, yes, I Let's know, go. but yeah. Yeah. you don't see yeah. the planting of the flag. Because it never happened, obviously. <laughs> then President Donald Trump made a speech about this and said, it's almost like they're embarrassed at the achievement coming from America. I think it's a terrible thing. When you think of Neil Armstrong and when you think of the landing on the moon, you think about the American flag. For that reason, I wouldn't even want to watch the movie. So I do oh, think that that probably so did the impact mega, the box office a bit. I really do the think. Megaphone. Not amazingly, but I bet you anything. Hey, you know what? If if uh, singing TV singing competitions tell us anything, it's Donald Trump supporters that feed mass media. <laughs> Honestly, like uh, American Idol or The Voice, whatever, it's always country music people that win. And it is not a reflection of any urban center in that entire country, Uh, which means they're the active voters on these weird telephone lines. Can you imagine calling a toll-free line? (laughs) Like selecting eight. You know, I really like that Bobby Johnson. (laughs) He's sure got a good lilt to his voice. I want to press eight. Like that stuff's weird. How do you phone people anymore? (laughs) On the rotary. Yeah, right. So there's some other discounted the clicks. There's some other small factual inconsistencies that some scientists I don't know if it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, but think of like Neil deGrasse Tyson like going through and pointing out some of these things. So there's a shot at the beginning, I think at the very beginning where you see clouds outside of the cockpit window, uh, Mm. and they're way too high to actually see clouds. The cockpit uh, on the shuttle also shows rusted instruments. Uh, those early shuttles would have had pristine consoles. Armstrong learns that he's going to pilot Apollo way before it's depicted in the movie. And then the last one is, to break my heart, of course, no historical evidence that Armstrong ever threw that bracelet into the, that crater of the moon. Although he did visit well, that crater. That, that is factually I mean, correct. Can you imagine how intentional would he have to be to get that? Like, have that you seen the space on? Like, you'd have to put yeah, that on before. like 200 pounds. And he's wearing like six gloves because they thought they were going to get a space virus. You can't play golf before then and then go and (laughs) drop it in. Like that doesn't make sense. America. Uh, Lastly, it would then go on to be nominated for four Academy Awards, but it only won one, which was Best Special Effects. This thing won an Oscar? This won Best Special Effects. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Not any of the Marvel movies? No, well, I guess Marvel. Was, I remember this year, I was like, I was actually pretty shocked <laughs> at this win. Um, the yeah. other ones were sound design and production design, if I want to, if I remember correctly. I didn't like the sound design. I mean, I had my headphones on max because some of the, the drawl and the muted conversation. So I wasn't really vibing the audio on this thing. But uh, anyways, eh. that's so I, this is a good thing I rate these things down. So I'll, I'll put some other positives. Pro- positives. Okay. I do like that scene where, you know, he's half scarred or half burned from like that failed mm, going up and down. Ejection. And yeah. Karen Hines is like, what does he say? It's like, uh, do we want to continue on? And Karen Hines is like, at what cost? And he's like, uh, it's a little bit late to, to ask that question now after we've already had four people that we've seen uh, die. Okay. So I thought that was yeah. a, an effective scene. You like the quip? The quip. They, it's a very brief moment. They read off 
what the president will read on TV oh, if they yeah. don't come back. That is the actual yeah, the presidential speech that was written in case that happened. That's all the other things I've written down. The only other thing, like this just feeds into the dourness of this film. Yeah. But it made me laugh so hard. It, this actually makes me laugh in any movie that does this. It happens a lot. And I wish filmmakers would stop doing it, which is just like start your scene like literally three seconds later than what you're doing. We have a family dinner, complete silence. And then the phone rings so that they can have a conversation. Like, that is the saddest dinner I have ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Like, I get that sometimes, like, you're eating and, like, there's not conversation happening. But, like, are you ever, like, in total silence eating dinner with family? That would be so oh, weird. The 60s. Uh, the, what struck me in that scene is how did anyone not jump out of their fucking chair? They're just staring at each other melancholically. Mm. And then this, you know, like, those Rory phones were fucking loud. Yeah. And it just starts ringing. I, I was surprised nobody was like, oh my God, mm. I, I got it. I got it. I also, it's so weird. I know that again, this is late sixties and or whatever, and uh, women were not human beings yet, but the idea that she answers the phone and hands it casually to the husband, he makes his important announcement, hands it back to her and she hangs up. Like all those little nuances. I just, it's so weird to watch now, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole is scene like was the, kind of um, you probably never watched Mad Men, but like I watched some of it. Like first the very season. first episode it's of depressing. Mad Men is like such a culture shock because they're eating that picnic dinner and like they just throw all their trash on the ground and like go back yeah, into yeah. their cars. Like I think it is. It's just a different time. So it feels so but the, alien to us. But the thing is, like, I mean, not to defend, I, I don't, I don't know Mad Men that well, but that to me strikes as an intentional moment mm. to just kind of like instructive that it's different. You know, people are going to smoke in their office and drink and womanize and, you know, uh, we're going to have a closeted gay men and all this, you know, all this shit that's going to happen because we're almost satirizing uh, ancient history of America right. in the 1950s, right? But uh, so it's not period inaccurate. It's just like little things like that. They're not fun. They're not fun to watch. And I didn't have fun watching this. And if they didn't have so many like exciting moments where I, I was getting sick in some of them, mm -hmm. uh, just the tension. Knowing uh, this how, would have like, been a I get two seating. very, very bad motion sickness. And I'm talking like if I'm on a yeah. children's sure. swing set going back and yeah. forth, I will get queasy. <laughs> like I do not do well. Yeah. I have to go take a ferry or something like that. Ugh, I just get so sick. Like I just can't do I any type of I have to outside. Yeah. I need the air. The idea of the them air. spinning that fast, I'd be like, I would have been barfing all oh, over when the place. Oh, when they're in the gyroscope? Yeah. Well, the first one, when they're in the test gyroscope, they're like, first victim, Armstrong. And he straps himself into this fucking, you know, mm. archaic metal box or spider, whatever you want to call it. And you just see that little asshole turning the knob just to fuck with them. That's, those are the things that I couldn't do. I was watching, uh, is it how it works? There was, no, there was something I was watching where they do the g-force mm. test for astronauts and they if you pass out you you burn out you're not allowed to stay in the program and it's it's literally like those spinny cup things but it's yeah. running to push the g's at nine i don't know whatever you experience uh, on blast off these people are crazy so that's the weird thing is like as a person who superhuman. really does enjoy going to like disneyland and going on those types of rides i can do roller coasters no problem because you're going in one direction the entire time the sickest i have ever been at Disneyland specifically, was the goddamn teacups. Yeah, spinning Fuck, cups. I just got, I was like, I have to lay down. I had to go lay down on the concrete. I'm like, yeah. I can't. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> we uh, we did that at uh, Stampede this year. We got the mm -hmm. day pass. We got there at 11 on a Thursday. So you could actually go on a ride. Mm -hmm. And the first one we went on was this like, and this is 
the carnival, we don't care about safety speed. Right. Yeah. It's like a and lug nut's being thrown looked, off as you go on the ride. <laughs> and I looked at Emerson, I'm like, I don't know how many more of these I can handle, but we'll do our best because mm-hmm. even that, every, you know, Helen and I and Emerson, all of us were just kind of like had our arms <laughs> out. Like, wow, that was, that was an interesting first, but spinnies, man. We're done here. Well, the machine has said we have to wrap things up here. So let's move on to Critics' Choice. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. Usually, except uh, Rotten Tomatoes was doing site maintenance today when I made this document. So I couldn't <laughs> see what the critics thought at the time. Right. So I have pulled two reviews from Letterboxd. So here's a positive review from Josh Lewis, who wrote... An engineer witnesses the death of a child and can't help but see it as a failure of technical precision and imagination. He willfully isolates himself in an effort to prove it and through sheer obsessive will and technical process orchestrates a relatively pointless and performative but nonetheless very cathartic and very real miracle to see it through. He achieves the metaphysical and by the end is still isolated. What a sad fucking movie. So we have the huge run-on sentence and all implied readings of what happened in this movie. Did he associate the death of his child with a failure of technology? That I don't know, but I think that this movie is trying to say that that is what pushes him to be so obsessed with the, with the space mission. why didn't mission. he just become a medical technologist? Why not create well, a better X-ray? He was already X-ray in the, or... uh, the, uh, the big flight program. No, I, I don't. I don't agree. All right. Uh, Brent Blurry, also from Letterboxd. I found myself really only interested in the interpretation of Armstrong's family life due large, uh, due large in part to Claire Foy's spectacular performance. Wow. The incalculable, incalculable trauma of losing a daughter and then the sweet release upon the mo- moment of the moon landing itself. The film does finish strong but fails to really capture your full, undivided attention until the last 20 minutes. If you're wanting to watch this mainly for Chazelle, look elsewhere. If you haven't seen it, but have seen the right stuff, let it be. (laughs) If you're watching it for historical interpretation's sake, sure. So let's not pull from Letterboxd anymore. How about that? (laughs) I, I think they've both said the same thing. That's what I mean. This one was positive and the one was negative about it. This is like the confounding thing about this movie is that everyone's saying the same thing, except they're like, I'm giving this four stars and then this person is giving it two stars. Also, I do notice once I'm on Letterboxd, the uh, percentage of trolling is is a little bit high. It can be. uh, I mean, it depends. I I cultivate it, so I don't see most of that. So, Um, All right. All right. I cultivate it. Okay. Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No, I don't I don't think so. I mean, no. culture is harder to define since we haven't been back on the moon. So I think that when they try to go, Neil Armstrong will trend again. So maybe it's culturally. I, I no think that uh, as far as cultural relevance goes, Chazelle's first two movies are like those are still referenced oh, it's films. nowadays. Yes. Uh, yeah. This yeah. movie, no. This one, I was trying to think of a good analogy. Like this feels to me like Spielberg's... Um, they actually both deal with flight now that I think about it. Have you ever heard of Steven Spielberg's 1989 film, Always? Is that the Robin Williams? No. Robin Williams? No. It, yes? It has... Um, uh, uh, Jeff Bridges? Nope. Um, it has oh Holly Hunter and it has... No. God damn it. Not. The guy from Jaws. Um, Dweeby Richard guy. Dreyfus? From, R- Richard Dreyfus? Richard Dreyfus. It's Richard Dreyfus and Holly Hunter. Nope. Exactly. My point. <laughs> Nobody's ever heard of this film. 
because it's so completely forgettable as a movie like that's like that's the level we're talking about here i'm sure there's other even better examples than that but it's like high profile director this kind of dud or of a film that nobody remembers and then like years later, yeah. like he made a film called always like what is this movie yeah, so we'll go no no i mean i i'm not going to be a staunch defender of this film so we need to rate this film but before we do that's what dave and i thought what do you think you can send any feedback to kyle and dave vs the machine at gmail.com you can still find us on twitter or instagram with the handle katie vstm if you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given you can go to our letterboxd page that's letterboxd.com slash katie vstm dave out of five what are you going to give first man yeah tough one i i was planning to give it a two and a half on walking in i'm just debating with all our complaining if i should drop it down to a two that seems a little rough i'm gonna go with two and a half let's stay let's be positive that's You're positive uh, i am giving nice it dating. my my classic kyle yeah that's all right rating the, the, which is the three. kyle cop out with a k yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, a three is what I'm giving to this movie. That means it's going to average to 2.75. We'll rate that down though to a 2.5. So we'll start at the bottom and work our way up here. Dave, do you think this is better or worse than Green Book? Better. Do you think this is better or worse than Ant-Man and the Wasp? Oh man. I don't know. 50-50. At least the other one made me laugh. I think that Ant-Man and the Wasp is more watchable, but this movie's maybe better made overall. That's where it's hard. Okay. Okay. Uh, But the last one is, uh, is it better or worse than Creed 2? Oh, man. I'd put Creed 2 over this movie in a heartbeat. I'm just going to point that out. Interesting. Yeah, interesting set. I would, honestly, I would put it under Ant-Man. I think that... Sure. I just, I, I just like Paul Rudd. Type of Paul Rudd. Have you watched the new season of Only Murders in the Building? I have watched the first two episodes. I do notice, I think they're very aware of it because they're making fun of themselves, that uh, this premise is on its last legs. Yeah, I <laughs> wonder if like, so the, the, the meta narrative seems to be like this is the last season, although I don't know yeah. if that is true. No, I think it will be. I mean, they're spending half the jokes making fun of the premise right. of the show. So, uh, But Paul Rudd's hilarious in it. And um, I just hope as it develops that it's going to have enough twists that's actually still enjoyable. I also feel like, I don't know. If Steve Martin and Marge Shore can carry this load for a third season, their characters are getting a little tiresome. So We'll see. I, I felt that there was something a little bit off in the, the first episode, and I haven't watched the second one yet. So I, The second I one's better. Yeah, it, it feels... I agree with you. I do love Meryl Streep. As soon as she... Dude, as soon as she... <laughs> we know they're doing the build-up, and they do that shot from the back of her shoulder. I'm like, that's Meryl Streep. And then she comes in as her, you know, mm-hmm. burnt out failure self. And I'm like, she's stealing the scene. Like, <laughs> I, I, whatever she's doing, I, just, I have to watch what she's going to do next. She's good at it. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully. Some uh, might say that Meryl Streep is good at acting. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about uh, our Sophie's Choice episode when she started throwing out all those accents. And I'm like, I believe all of them. I don't know if they're accurate, but uh, I'm, in, I'm in for this right. <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> that was the fun thing about that first episode, which is like, she's the joke is that she's doing a bunch of accents that don't really need to have an accent. But I'm like, I don't know. Pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, that does mean that this movie, First Man, is going to be entering our list at the new number 18 position right under Ant-Man and the Wasp, right above Green Book. So we should find out what we're watching here next week. I'm going to push this button. Oh, Dave, I am so sorry. 
I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I'm almost confident this is a movie you are going to hate. We <laughs> say that a lot. What is it? It's called Under the Silver Lake. A movie, what is another it? movie that most people have never heard about. I saw this yeah. at a film festival back in 2018. Okay. And the two other people I went with loathed this movie. They hated <laughs> this movie. It? And I love it because it has, it this, it's this... been having this renaissance in the last couple of years of being of people uh -huh. finally finding it online and watching it for uh -huh. the first time. I mean, like, uh -huh. why has nobody uh -huh. talked about this movie before? It is weird. It is bizarre. It is kooky. But it's mm -hmm. right up my alley. Like, I really do like this wow. movie. Okay. It's not a five out of five. I'm just saying that like, I enjoy the weirdness of it all. Oh, man. So just, just go into it, Dave, with an open mind being like, this is going to be weird. I'm going to have a weird time. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm good at. Just a quick note on White Saviors. Did you read the news today about uh, The Blind Side? Is that the one with Sandra Bullock? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so the football player has now sued the uh, benevolent White family because oh. apparently they kept all the money from the movie. And he got nothing. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> well, so that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, pull apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that does mean that we can get a sequel called Blindsided. Yeah, actually, maybe. <laughs> maybe. If that actually comes true, TMTM. I want someone to pay for <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. All right, Dave. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I guess it's uh, time to do a call to action here. So let's... Uh, Let's grab yeah, our materials look for up, holes. We'll do one final meeting with these people, and we'll figure things yeah. out. Just gotta keep searching for the holes. There'll be one big enough. Gross. I think the worst thing I could imagine is listening to this podcast.